Welcome back to Fork on the Road. I'm your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo, over there. That's James Beard, award-winning food journalist, Jennifer English. And what a show we have planned for you today, Jennifer. First of all, you have no idea what a fangirl I am for our guest today. I might embarrass myself. (laughs) But then you're saying what else is new? Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's a television icon. A, uh, a a fantastic live performer, and I can get lost for days in his dreamy blue eyes. <laughs> uh, before we get to him, though, let's keep people in suspense. There was a news item that I wanted to go over first. I don't know if you saw this, Jennifer, but uh, there's a funky new study that shows exposing cheese, wheels of cheese to music can change its flavor and aroma. Yes, I saw this story. Now, we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. When you expose wheels of cheese to me, <laughs> <laughs> they are transformed. <laughs> Big yeah. bites go missing out of them. <laughs> what happens see, when you play music to them? Well, these crazy uh, Swiss people up at the Bern University of Arts, what do art students know about cheese? Because they, they didn't have enough with the super collider. They're like, yeah, while well, we're waiting for the super collider to prove that there is a god. <laughs> Or destroy the earth. Uh, they played music to nine 22-pound wheels of Emmental cheese. Emmentala. Se- Emmentala. It's a semi-firm variety of Swiss cheese that's popular in Europe. Just the like The wheels me. were stored. Yes. They were stored in wooden crates and played 24 consecutive hours of either classical, hip-hop, techno, ambient, or rock and roll. Rather than speakers, the researchers attached small transmitters to the wheels of cheese so that the sound waves were going directly into the cheese. Here here are some of the songs they played. A Tribe Called Quest's We Got It From Here, Mozart's The Magic Flute Opera, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, of course, uh, Viral's UV and Yellow's Monolith, and uh, three of the other wheels were exposed to low, medium, or high-frequency sound waves, and one control wheel was left in silence. After the listening sessions were complete, they had professional cheese tasters, which I believe our guest is also one of those, taste the cheeses, and they said that the sounds, the different kinds of music, change the cheeses in different ways. I'm sure he knows this is coming. Speaking of cheese, please welcome today's super special guest. It's Mark Wahlberg from Temptation Island. Hello, Mark. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Hello, Mark. Hi, you guys. Hey, Mark. How are you? I am in Seattle, Washington. Oh, Nice. You folks probably know Mark from uh, Antiques Roadshow for many, many years. He's on Temptation Island, which just got to pick up for season two. Congratulations, Mark. Nice. And Thank in you. his spare time, he travels the country doing live episodes of The Price is Right at theaters all across this great land. So no one knows more about travel than Mark Wahlberg, which is why, well, it's one of the reasons why he's here today. <laughs> I appreciate that introduction, which is longer than most of the series I've hosted, but... Um, <laughs> I, I would like to touch on a moment this cheese thing because I think we've discovered what would actually happen at the fire festival. What? Bands and wheels of cheese and no no people. Um, up here, however, they're doing a, an experiment, I think, by playing grunge music to cheese, and I think it's going to end up with a stinky wheel. But That's funny. Well, yeah, it's not yeah. very Gouda. All that time in Antiques yeah. Roadshow, 
One of the things mm-hmm. I always wondered about, because you did these marvelous stories where you'd go into the local museum to study the local sort of specialty. If a great glass mm-hmm. blower was from a region, you'd go to the glass blowing museum that <laughs> featured his work. If a place I was... I do that whether I'm on roadshow or not. That's just a hobby. <laughs> well, that's, that's just what I do. That's, so this it's is how I do. the time. This is what I want to know. <laughs> like, you were always so passionate about these things. It always made me wonder, because you were really interested. And, and I believe that this is what you might do on your day off. But it made me always wonder, what do you collect? Well, one of the things I learned when I first became the host of Antiques Roadshow is that everything that I own has no value. (laughs) I I mean, I have nothing. And the story I tell is that there's a a dog collector, Richard Wright, who since passed away, but he was there the first season I was there. And he was really kind of scary. And I finally got up the nerve to talk to him. And I walked over to him and I say, Richard, uh, I don't want to bother you, but my wife and my mother have been collecting these dolls for years for my daughter. We haven't taken them out of the box. They're in perfect mint condition. They're Madame Alexander dolls. What do you think? And without looking up, he said, honey, take them out of the box and play with them. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, you've had a, a fantastic show business career. I bet a lot of people don't know that you started as a song and dance man on cruise ships, which I think is a crazy great way to see the world. Do you have any good stories from your days as a cruise ship entertainer? I have great stories. Those who had to watch me entertain have horrible, horrible nightmares. <laughs> oh, stop. Because I was not in my lane on that one. But we, <laughs> oh, uh, Mark, you I are just, great. You're like the Jewish Dick Van Dyke. Exactly. You know, that is the highest compliment a man could have. Thank you. No kidding. Um, my wife is the triple threat. We got engaged, and then we both were able to get this job on a cruise ship in this seven-person musical review thing. I barely made the cut. She was excellent. And we were on a ship for six months. To this day, if I didn't have a wedding to go to on the other end of that contract, I'd still be there. But I'd be, you know, 500 pounds, an alcoholic with several illegitimate children. So luckily, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I got off the ship. But it was amazing. We, we did Mexico for four months. We did Alaska out of Seattle, actually, for two months. And... There's stories that happened during that six months and that those travel months that I, uh, I talk about all the time. People that take the cruises don't know what a den of iniquity it is down in the crew quarters. All the show people are sleeping with all... It, it's like, a, it, it's like the, the gate to Satan's lair, isn't it? Well, we were in regular cabins, but our cabin was right by one of the doors into the crew quarters. Must admit, there were many a night where I saw a, well, I don't know, a... 50-year-old or so woman walking out of there holding her shoes, about to do the cruise ship version of the Walk of Shame out of the crew cabin. How was the cruise, Barbara? Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It was fantastic. You sound like Lady Kazan's sister. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, she cruises a lot. Um, She does a Kazan tribute show that is not to be missed. I told you I was in the show with these singers and dancers, but I'm originally from South Carolina. And one of the things about being on a cruise ship as opposed to taking a cruise is that I'm going to the same ports every week. So after the first cruise where you see the things that are, you know, on your choices of excursions, the second time through, you start getting off the beaten path a little bit. And so after a couple times in Alaska, two of the guys who were dancers in our show um, said, we want to go fishing. We've never gone fishing before. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'll take you fishing. And I hadn't caught a fish yet. Now, is that a euphemism or you were actually going fishing? (laughs) I thought it was literal, but it was a a day to remember nonetheless. 
so we we go fishing, and it just so happens the day I take them, the salmon run in Alaska came in. So I'm I'm sitting there with them on the bank of this just it looks like you're in the Alps. It's so beautiful, and I said, look, guys, just throw it out there, reel it back in. Let's have some conversation. This is what fishing is. If one of us catches one, that's a great day. But just hanging out is a good day. No sooner do we do it than all three of us hook up on huge salmon that we have no idea how to deal with. And uh, we caught them as fast as we could. And so we finally get one in, and he takes a picture with it, and they're all excited, jumping it down. We caught a fish, we caught a fish, and then I take a rock and smack the salmon on the head because <laughs> if you don't, they swim back into the water. And they looked at me like I was Hitler. And basically they literally just dropped the poles quietly and walked over and got a cab and left. That was it. What happened to your yeah. eyes? When you were doing this, is this like one of those Wes Anderson stop motion moments where instead of eyes, you had little X's or little red balls? Like, is there some yeah, kind of weird I, thing that happened to you? <laughs> yeah, and I made the sound. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, we were in Mexico for a couple of times in Acapulco. You got to go off the beaten path. And we went to a brackish water lake called Pia de la Cuesta, which if you're traveling, you should check out. It's where they shot Rambo. And we would go water skiing. And then one day they took us to this coconut plantation where this woman who owned the plantation came out and served us homemade mezcal tequila in a Tupperware uh, oh. container. And um, that's a day I would like to remember. <laughs> Do you remember the year we were in Macon and the mayor of Macon gave us moonshine? That was an incredible moment. We're, we're in some dark southern play is what it felt like. We, we sure. ended up in this antebellum mansion that was designed like, you know, like, Rhett Butler was on acid, and <laughs> then the mayor comes in, maybe with the chief of police. I don't remember. It's 3 in the morning, and they're like, you guys want to drink some moonshine? And I'm like, you know, went in crazy southern Rome. Right. So we did. <laughs> so, yeah. And they, they and now I, make, that- now I make my own moonshine, Mark. Do you really? I make my own moonshine in the backyard. It's, um, it's I'm having some sort of midlife crisis, but I'm having fun with that. What's the rule? Yeah. You light it on fire, and if, if it burns blue, it's good, and if it burns orange, it's bad, or is it the other way around? I don't recall. You know, it's sort of like um, Red Sky at Night, Sailor's Delight. I can't ever remember, but uh, I, I do know that when you make moonshine, you pour out the first, you know, quarter of a, of a, of a quart because that's the heads of the moonshine and that's acetone and poison. So that's the part that burns the wrong color. You are tuned in to A Fork on the Road and our celebrity guest is none other than Mark Wahlberg. I am thrilled he's here. I'm a big fan. I love laughing more than I love eating. And if you do too, stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. Make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is FlavorBank on Twitter and hashtag FlavorBank on Instagram. I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including cranky tourists. English, your travel guru, Mark DiCarlo, and our special guest today, Mark Wahlberg from Temptation Island on the USA Network. People probably don't realize, Mark, how much traveling you do for your career. It's, it's uh, quite like more than a regular actor. As hosts, 
we kind of get bounced around a lot. Um, now, you're doing Temptation Island on USA Network right now, but this is your second tour of duty. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about the first run of the show. All I remember from that was tuning in for the premiere and seeing you riding shirtless on a white steed down a sandy beach. <laughs> and after that, I think that, I blacked out. <sighs> the first season we did in Belize, Bay Islands off of the coast there, uh, called Ambergris Key, most gorgeous island, uh, just an incredible experience. And uh, we stayed at one uh, resort that was a very bare-bones resort, lovely but bare-bones, and then the girls and the a couple guys stayed at another resort, and then the other side of the cast stayed at another resort. And um, it was really remote, but it was beautiful, and it was an incredible experience. But you're right. Our job as hosts has become more travel than it ever was. It used to be that there were more shows that were in studio in Hollywood, and now anymore, all the work that I do is on the road. What's the most surprising thing you've learned about people from your travels that you didn't, you didn't see coming? I... I think, I don't know if I didn't see it coming, but it is a through line, especially when I was in Hawaii, Belize, Costa Rica, Honduras, all these countries that I've gone to, that I I found that when we travel, specifically Americans, the experience one can have if you choose to be respectful of the country you're, you're visiting, in other words, let their culture lead and you follow, rather than having to have them bend it to what you're comfortable with, people seem to embrace you in the most intimate and and uh loving way and you see so much more that way so it it really it takes very little effort to kind of nod your head at whatever the culture is and at least appear like you're trying to learn the language or trying to eat the food or be respectful of the way they do things and then people are so appreciative in the you know in the glaring contrast of how most americans travel that they'll show you things you never thought you would see, you know, and you, at places you would never have access to. And that's how I like to travel, as We're, though I'm not a tourist, but I'm visiting their country for work or for some other reason. We're talking with uh, Mark Wahlberg, the marvelous uh, host of Antiques Roadshow and of Temptation Island, among other things. And, and Mark, as you tour around, talk a little bit about the project that is taking you literally on tour and to where you're calling us from right now, Seattle, Washington. They take the Price is Right television show and they do a live stage sort of concert tour in theaters throughout the country. So audiences buy a hard ticket, just a Ticketmaster ticket, and they come in and uh, the set is there, the music is there, we give away prizes, they get called out of the audience to be contestants, just like on the TV show. Plinko? Plinko is like Freebird for that show. (laughs) It's like people like lighters it's a big deal when plinko comes out people lose their mind and you have the big wheel so we have the big wheel ah! we have uh we have several pricing games we have the one bids we have the uh, big wheel we've got the showcase we have a new car and it's really a blast and people seem to love it and for me i love it because it's the only chance i get to do sort of a bus and truck tour like we always fantasize about what it would like to have been on a rock and roll tour and so it's price is right and Maybe it's not the same demo in the audience as a rock and roll tour, but it is 11 of us sleeping on a bus, doing a show in a different, beautiful, usually 1920s-era vaudeville theater each night. And um, during the day, I get a chance to really taste the local flavor and see the local color, and, and it's really been a, an incredible experience. And, you know, every night I'm giving away prizes, and it's a 90-minute sort of comedy improv show, but it's The Price is Right. What's the best food you've had traveling around? 
I hate to play right into your wheelhouse, Mark, but we did a show in uh, New Orleans. And we actually had two shows. The Sanger Theater there in New Orleans, gorgeous theater. Beautiful. Walking distance to, uh, yeah, beautiful. And we had a break in between shows and we wanted to go get some seafood because we we were there. So we went over to Dee's, which is a classic place that maybe you get to if you're a tourist, but it's not, it's not on Bourbon Street. You're going to have to walk a little bit and, you know, it, it may not have been the first one on your, your Yelp review, but for the locals, it's, it's the real deal. So we walk in between shows and it's packed because our show had just let out. And, you know, I've got a baseball cap on and nobody really knows who we are. And it's, I'm there with the model and the announcer and me, and we try to get a table and it's just packed. We just cannot get there. And, then I take my hat and off. When you want to really get recognized, kind of no one recognizes you. No, I go up to her, take off my hat, and really do everything I can to get recognized. She's like, yeah, I don't care who you are. You can't sit here. So <laughs> we're getting ready to leave, but the whole lobby is filled with people with prices right name tags on. And this Uh-oh. one woman came out and says, oh, we just saw your show. It was great. And she gives me a hug. Thick, thick New Orleans accent. She said, are you going to eat? And I said, well, we'd love to, but we've got another show. And it's going to be an hour and a half before we get a table. So I, I don't think we're going to get a chance. And she grabs my arm and she says, my mama owns this place. Follow me. So next thing we know, we're sitting with, and it was like sitting with the Godfather. This woman was just wonderful at this table. And they started bringing food. And I mean, pounds of crawfish. Uh, One thing called a seafood tower that I still have indigestion from. (laughs) I mean, the amount amount of food was, was... really gluttonous and we took it all back to the bus and we had this incredible feast but the food was so delicious the stories were incredible the story of how long this business has been uh, a business was amazing and that's the other thing i love i love that i get to see these mom and pop family businesses around the country and meet the people who have been doing this you know um, we're, we're talking with the incredible Mark Wahlberg. Um, Mark, I have a question. In everything that you're seeing in all these people that you're meeting, in these places that you're being welcomed with authentic hospitality, what's the story that you have uncovered or discovered while on the road that deserves to be a show? You know, I, I've stopped thinking in terms of what show it is, but I'll tell you what experience is the experience that I've taken away from all of it, and I would love to highlight in some way, shape, or form. I love the concept of family-run businesses that are at the juxtaposition of modern technology and children leaving the farm, so to speak, and literally. How they've survived since the, really the the weaving of the fabric of of America to today. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the cultural differences of the people that we see, but the the note I would want to play to answer your question is the fact that no, no matter where I go, we are all very, very much the same. Mm-hmm. And the, the takeaway is something someone told me, yeah, Mark, they said to me, look, when you look at a forest, you see thousands of trees as individual trees. But if a forest gets a, an edema, some sickness on the east end of a thousand acre farm, a forest, the trees on the other end of that forest will change their chemical makeup because they, they're connected. So while we see these trees as individuals, the forest itself is one organism. And that's kind of the way I have come to know people, that we look like we're all individuals, but we're all really one organism feeling and being part of one another. And that's kind of what my takeaway from my travels has taught me. And I think there's a big disconnect. You know, you sit down and you watch the news every night, and there's so much discord and strife and friction in America. Then you go out to 
New Orleans. Uh, you know, I'm going to Orlando in a couple of weeks. We're going to be doing the show down there. And you meet regular people. And if you do, like you said, if you embrace their world instead of forcing your world on them, you have experiences that are genuine and sweet and funny and wonderful and hilarious that, that you can't, it doesn't jive with what you see on TV. And I think people need to kind of uh, understand that that's still going on in America and that we haven't t- turned into this red versus blue Hatfields versus McCoy's life. That's just a, it's what you see on TV. It's yeah. not all there is. First of all, we're here with Mark DiCarlo, host of A Fork on the Road, and the one and only Mark Wahlberg. And what I love about you two, you guys... two and only, but that's okay. <laughs> no. In my world, there's one. Uno. Solamente oh, Uno. What makes you really cool is the kind of TV you do is you're un-TVing. You're undoing the wow. TV. Right? Like, so if people think, well, you see it on TV, you, you, you dial it back. You peel it back to the humanity that was sort of co-opted and hijacked on TV, and you bring it back and make it real. That is a really lovely and and uh, it's an incredible compliment that I won't soon forget. I mean, it's really amazing. But one of the things that it, it, some of that is a byproduct of a, a, or an outcropping of survival, because one of the <laughs> things that happened in my career, unbeknownst to me, was that I found myself hosting both things like Antiques Roadshow and Family Games and things like that, and then I get Temptation Island, which, uh, you know, uh, Entertainment Weekly called the end of Western civilization as we know it. <laughs> and then later on, I get Antiques Roadshow, the most respected brand in America. And then simultaneously, I get Moment of Truth, this lie detector show that's supposedly ruining people's lives. So as a host, as opposed to what actors do, I found the only way I can really walk that line is I have to find what is absolutely authentic. In fact, make it so not about me and so about the show so that I can be the same guy in whatever that situation is, because all of us find ourselves in a range of situations and we're the same people. So um, thank you for what you said. It kind of was born out of need and now is a conscious choice, but I really try to downplay the fact that I'm even part of the show and upplay the fact that this is the experience that I'm trying to facilitate. Well, and it's an ego-free, so many, especially in Hollywood, people can't do that. It's always got to be about them. And I think that's one of the reasons you've had such a long and successful career is you, you understand you're a piece of the puzzle. You're not the whole puzzle. And I think that well, makes you endearing to people. Well, Mark, you and I are very similar in the fact that we think like producers. Um, so rather than going out there to go, how can I kill in this moment? We're co- you come from a place of improv, which is all about bestowing the people you're working with with support. And I come out of production. And so I'm constantly looking at what does the hour look like, not what do I look like. In your case, when you did Studs, Mark, where we first met, you were hysterical, but it was more in the delight of these civilians who are the contestants on your show. So it's all about supporting the hour, the half hour, rather than going, how can I score a moment right here? True. That's true. And we're going to score many more fun moments. We're going to take a quick break right now. And we're going to be back on Fork on the Road with Jennifer English, Mark DiCarlo, and our special guest today, TV's own blue-eyed boy, Mark Wahlberg. Make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is Flavor Bank on Twitter and hashtag Flavor Bank on Instagram.
I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including cranky tourists. Welcome back to Fork on the Road. Our special guest today, TV's Mark Wahlberg, here with Mark DiCarlo, your travel guru, and James Beard, award-winning foodie journalist, Jennifer English. Uh, let's get back to food for a second, Mark. At the top of the show, we were talking about that uh, science experiment in Sweden where they took cheese and they played different kinds of music to it and it changed the flavor. Now, obviously, uh, I don't think we're going to have a problem agreeing that the Italians are the cheese masters of the world, right? In so many ways. Switzerland is very close to northern Italy and the Alps and all that stuff. If this had been. I knew you would claim ownership of Switzerland. That was perfect. <laughs> If this had been a Jewish university, what cheese would they have used, and what songs would they have used, and how would it have changed the, the flavor of the cheese? What do you think? It's funny you should mention that. We did a very <laughs> similar experiment for my bar mitzvah. Do you? We played nonstop Neil Diamond, and we took Edom cheese, and it turned into a cream cheese with a hint of lox bread. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. You're going to start season two of the second iteration of Temptation Island, where are you going? And tell us some good, sassy stories from season one. And tell people who haven't seen the show, if there are any, the basic concept of sure. the uh, show that's bringing down Western civilization. And, uh, and by the way, I forgot the rest of that quote was, and Wahlberg is the devil incarnate. It was the only superlative I've ever gotten, so I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> um, Temptation Island, uh, the basic concept is four couples who are at a crossroads in their relationship. They're in a committed relationship, but not married decide to go to this extreme experience where they're going to give themselves the choice of being single again. And then they move into separate villas where there are 12 eligible single people of the opposite sex. Like the bachelor, they date and eliminate to find out who they're most connected with. And at the end, they come back together with the one they came to the island with and decide whether or not they're going to leave together, leave separately or leave with someone new. That's the concept. Um, the first season we did uh, was in Maui. And it was really amazing. Um, of course, Hawaii is always amazing. But I, I keep reiterating, you know, when you go to Hawaii as a tourist, you have one experience. When you go there and work and you're there for 30 days, you go to the grocery store and you're, you know, going to your gym or whatever, it's a different experience or it can be a different experience. And I had always taken that whole phrase aloha and the aloha spirit is sort of like a trademark and a brand. But what is that? But, you know, when you go to Maui and if you slow down a second and you take a breath and you watch what's going on here, you get the sense of the gift the locals sometimes begrudgingly but, but lovingly are giving you, which is access to their sovereign land. And the aloha spirit is not – it's not a lay around your neck. It's not uh, going to, to uh, you know, a, a luau. It's, it's a much deeper kind of spiritual – uh, respect and understanding to let everybody kind of be who they're going to be and respect for the island. And that was something I really enjoyed from the moment I got there to the moment I left and kept remarking, I can't believe there are people that come here and don't feel this audibly, like tactily, um, when you're there in Maui. You have to decompress when you go to Hawaii because everything happens at a much slower pace. You've been to Maui, haven't you, Jennifer? Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, you mentioned Maui to me and I'm going to, the, I'm going to go see Chef Abby up at Star yes. Noodle Company, and I might not leave for a oh day God. or two. Oh, my God. You did not just say Star Noodle. Uh, not only did so I say we, Star Noodle, did I say Star Noodle and Chef Abby? That was only like, oh, I don't know, three miles from where we were staying. I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you we didn't discover it until late into our trip. When we did, we ate three meals a day. 
Yeah. We on the way to the airport, we made the car stop to pick up a pre order before they opened at mm-hmm. Star Noodles because there was a line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was that much of a thing. That's right, Mark. That what makes it so great? <laughs> you want to take this one, or should I? <laughs> I can't. I you know people have pho, people have udon, people have you know it, it's a trend and people do it well and but how do you how, how do you describe the flavor and the freshness and the spice at Star Noodles? I can't. I can't. It's it's hard to it's hard to explain. But it's like having wine. You think you're having good wine, and then somebody brings you like a really really expensive great wine, and you sip it. And even if you're not a wine connoisseur, you're like, oh my god, I get it. So first of all, we're going to talk about Chef Abby Rodas Ferrer, who is the genius behind what actually happens in that kitchen. And what happens in that kitchen is the same thing that happens in every sort of iteration of life in Hawaii. The Hawaiianization of it, when you infuse it with this incredible, respectful, loving spirit of aloha, and then you marry that with the most exceptional ingredients, and then you talk about technique. So everything you guys do as performers, everything you guys do as comedians, everything you do as actors and hosts, everything you bring to the to the act of giving the audience a night of pleasure or a show that they're going to remember and laugh at and be moved by that human experience, everything they do at Star Noodle Company, they do with the hope of not giving you merely just delicious food in the best version of itself it's ever had. I will tell you, yes, that food is completely irresistible, but what they do is they mm-hmm. make you want to pay them the compliment of cooking yes. that food. It's not that they want the compliment. They want you to be so delighted that they that they evoke that from you. And you just sit there with this like spilling over the edges, gratitude and joy and human experience. Listen, Mark, I love to eat. And I'll tell this every single show. I love to laugh even more than I love to eat. So I want you to imagine all that gratitude you have for that food. That's Isn't that very similar to what you want your audience members to do? You want that laughter to just 100%. spill out of them. 100%. And you've hit on two things. Quickly, because I'm a host and I have to make sure it all is it's buttoned up nicely. Even the jokey cheese item we talked about earlier, the actual scientific result was with nice music, the aroma was stronger and the flavor was milder. And that's what you're speaking to at Star Noodle. There's aloha, there's love, and it enhances everything. So speaking into our world, Mark's and my world of entertainment, that's a choice one has to make as an entertainer. That when you're on stage, do you make it about you and take, or are you about to give? And mm-hmm. for me, if I get 90 minutes on stage playing The Price is Right and people are hugging me because they want stuff and I'm making fun of them because, you know, they're wearing overalls or whatever, the whole thing is like, how can I, I hope they're getting how much I'm enjoying their experience. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're giving it, people, I've often said, you know, I, I'm not a very good comic. And by the way, I've not often said that. Often many people have said this, but I'm not particularly a funny comic. <laughs> Everyone I know. But what I, yes, exactly. <laughs> but what I do know is by the time I open my mouth, we have a relationship that transcends comedy. So anything we experience at that point, we experience together, which really speaks to like Mark's prowess, which is improv, which is I can write a joke and deliver it. It's not as funny as us sharing an experience, something happened. And then because we happen to do it for a living, saying what they're thinking in a witty way. 
that's much more giving and and uh, interactive than throwing comedy at people. But Mark Wahlberg, you know what you're saying and describing when you say it that way is that you're describing the act of hospitality. It's just in the form of an entertainment realm in which yeah. you are the host to make sure your guest not only feels welcome and delighted. Well, put it to the dinner table. If you're going to prepare this incredible meal that you've really painstakingly chosen because you're having guests over and you've gone through your security or insecurity about your preparation, is that it's going to be the flavors they like, and you invite them into your home and there's conversation, the host of that party gets out of the way if the conversation is popping, inserts themselves if it's awkward. It's the same thing anyone does if they're a gracious host. It's the exact same thing on TV or on stage. Well, I think you've hit it. It's, it's, that's what ties together travel, food, comedy, performance. It's that hospitality of, listen, I could stand here and tell jokes for 20 minutes and enjoy myself, but I'm here to entertain you because I actually enjoy the process of cheering people up or having, you know, just basically having fun. And I think uh, you know, cooking, when, going to great restaurants, yeah. mom and pop places, places that have, you know, family restaurants, like we were talking about earlier, where people, there's two kinds of people in the world, people that hug and people that don't. And I would, I think <laughs> 95% of great restaurant people are huggers because that's what they're doing. They're hugging you with their food. Where do you put the spitters, Mark? The spitters? <laughs> Please don't tee it up that high for me. Please. <laughs> I am. First of all, Wait. I just can't. I'm gonna let this one go. I'm gonna let it go. We all had we all had that uncle. We His all had that uncle. Jennifer. Oh, we, yeah. No, we all had that uncle. You know, he's got a mouthful oh. of food. He's talking Where's to your you. Uncle Spitter. I <laughs> come wait a minute. Very fine line between a Jewish family and an Italian family. I have never had a meal with uncles and aunts that I haven't had a clinical view of every masticated bite. I mean, <laughs> There is no reason to stop eating to tell a story. As a matter of fact, I have watched close relatives stop a story to take a bite before they begin the joke. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yet I'm Southern, so that at the same time that it, 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 it's a familiar note for me, it also, you know, completely wrecks me because everything I've been taught in the South is to do the opposite. Yeah, um, we all have those ankle, uncles that talk and you end up wearing half of the chopped liver when they're telling you a story. What it all comes down to is that when we sit at a table and we break bread together, it's biblical, it's tribal, it's primordial, because eating means living. And when you're sharing your food, it is counterintuitive to the animal instinct of us trying to survive. It's the moment of us saying, you're safe at my table, eat with me, I'm going to help you survive and you can help me survive. And let's take a moment and not have to hunt a lion and just have a laugh. Whoa, that is deep, Marky. Mark, I want to ask you a question, and I, I'm going to throw it at, at both of you, because you, you both spend a great deal of time on the road, and, and you both have this same sense. I am constantly struck, Mark DiCarlo, by every conversation in which we are starting on a topic that invariably we come back to this place of spirit and energy, and I think that you undersell yourself as one of the great artists of your generation because you bring the spirit of the artist to everything you do. And in talking about it, you remind us that the artists among us are those people who allow all the spirit of the universe to come through them. And for some people, it's food, like Chef Abby at Star Noodle. And for other people, it's laughter. 
and you remind me of that. You just organically bring the conversation around to that every show. And I am, I got to tell you, I'm beginning to see a pattern that I really dig. Oh, well, good. You know what? I think here's, here's the meaning of life as I see it. I'm writing this um, down. Go slow. I got a pen. I'm going to talk real slow for you, Mark. Um, Thank you. When you're born, uh, your job is to figure out what you do that makes you happy and a way to make a living from it. And I think the people that are happy in the world, such as myself, such as Jennifer, such as uh, Mark Wahlberg, are people that have figured out, okay, I can do this and make a living, but I would do it for free because it's, it's what I'm here for. You know, I, I, I could have done a million other careers, but I do this and I embrace the, the, the life and the insecurity and the hassles and the, 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 the BS of show business because when it's working, it's great. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's you're on a bus in the middle of nowhere and you're having dinner with the owner's daughter. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Chase it. And you have to be aware at all times that cool stuff like that can happen if you get out of the way and just kind of walk through life looking for it. And I think so many people well, are so buried in their phones. They don't understand yes. that this is it. This is not a dress rehearsal. You got to wring every Jennifer. morsel of fun out mm-hmm. of every day, otherwise you're 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 wasting it. But Jennifer, I I have to tell you that I've I've watched Mark for years and years and years, and I'll I'll quickly tell you that when I met him, I was hired to be the warm up comedian for a TV show that he was the star of. Uh-huh. What I learned watching him work was his authentic delight, not just amusement, but delight <laughs> in other people's moments on TV and in life. His delight is to show up to and meet people in a bar and play with them, get playful, force them to play with him. And, and Mark is like a dog who is waiting, waiting for you to say something so he can laugh and support you. And that is, <laughs> that's it. That's, it's, it's a spirit... And I see it in a lot of Mark's friends that I've now become friends with who are Second City alumni of, uh, you know, improv, that it's all about support. Dying to be delighted by someone else. That's, yeah. So I, what else I, is there? I, I kind of learned at the feet of, of, of Mark, the master. That's so awesome. But see, that's why we're all here. And, you know, they say water seeks its own level. Right. And ours went as far down as we could, and that's where we met one another. <laughs> in the sewer. <laughs> in the sewer. But it was, we made the best of it. Oh, it was a real good sore, Markel. <laughs> it was real good. Sore. Mm-hmm. Real oh, yeah. good sore. <laughs> right next to the river. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, that comes awfully natural for Mark Wahlberg, our guest, because he, if I'm, am I correct in saying you're a low country boy? Well, I border the low country, uh, but I'm from Florence, which is just inland of Myrtle Beach. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I'd like to call myself a low country person, but I don't have Charleston background. Okay. But I love that flavor. It's a big difference in South Carolina food-wise. So low country food is, is terrific. Shrimp and grits, that's the, that's the uh, headliner. Shrimp My bowl. area was Calabash style. That's Myrtle Beach, which is basically take anything you catch and fry it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Different trips. Nice. Yeah. We, we would like to uh, play a little game with you, uh, Mark Wahlberg. We thought, how Thank could you. we express hospitality to Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> and, and what could we do? What could we do? What mint could we put on his pillow? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and, okay. What's and, the mint? I and can't wait. 
and we have a little pricing game we'd like to play with you. Well, an homage, now you're, now you're if you will. <laughs> I, yes, I'm chipping now. The you're in my Let's world. <laughs> yeah, I got my own pricing <laughs> gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So let it rip. So so, Mark, I want you to set this up for us, please. We got we got some things, and we want to know if you know what the prices are, or if you're just so highfalutin and out of touch with regular life that you just you have people shopping for you. Bring it. For the record, I don't need store bought vegetables. I don't need store bought eggs. That stuff comes out of my backyard, so my pricing may be a little off. But I'm willing to really to give it a shot. Now, yeah, I have Wahlberg Farms going in the backyard. Do you really? Seven chickens, full garden. I got it all going on down there. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a question for you. You spend a great deal of time in uh, hotels. You're traveling. You're on the road. You're a road warrior. You get to the hotel, and you are parched and famished. You resort to the mini bar. How much is a Kit Kat yep. at the Hilton Hotel? Kit Kat at the Hilton? I'm going to say six fifty on that one. Four bucks. You were close, Mark Wahlberg. Thanks for playing with us. Thanks for being here you, with us. You, you didn't say which Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, Canadian. Those are Canadian one. dollars. Mark Wahlberg, thank you. Good job, thank Mark. You. Thank you, Jennifer. We'll see everyone next week right here, Fork on the Road. Drive safe, Marky. Thanks for listening. She's Jennifer English at Flavor Bank, and I'm at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into travel, food, and fun. Until then, I'll see you at a fork on the road.